This is The Pot of Never, and I'm your host, Matthew Nanez. And this is the podcast where I talk to people from the underground who are using their experience in their day-to-day lives, in their professions, or elsewhere. And it's also a place where I just talk to people alike. You know, it's my podcast. I'll do whatever I want. And today, I am talking to Jack Longman. He is the founder of Longman Media Company out of the UK. And you might be wondering, Matt, how do you know this guy from the United Kingdom? Well, he is a pal of mine from LinkedIn. And um, and if you're in business or you want to start a brand or you just want to level up your professional world, I got to say, being on LinkedIn has been a great thing for me. If you're listening to the last episode where I interviewed Finn McKenty, that's where I did a lot of my um, networking with him um, to use a very quote unquote professional word. But um, no, I've just made a lot of relationships there. And ultimately, like a lot of these episodes you're going to listen to have come from the relationships I've, I've built on LinkedIn. And I think it's just really, really cool that I've, I'm able to talk to like-minded people from across the pond. And what we get into today is that we're talking a lot about, of our, about our experiences being in bands and how it's helped us in our professional life. And we, we get his story. And if you come from a DIY background, being in a band, and maybe you're, you're not quite so sure what to do uh, to uh, bring those skills over to the professional world, listen to his story. You, you might, um, especially if, you, you know, if you're on Instagram and you're the person doing the, uh, doing the promotional stuff for, for your shows and things like that, you should listen to Jack. But before we get started with the episode, I just want to give an update because this podcast is sponsored by my company, Chapters Creative. And since you're listening to this podcast, and if you run a business or you want to start a brand, I am currently running a special where I spend a whole month helping you with your brand's messaging. I will sit down with you for two hours where we develop a brand messaging framework where your customer is the hero and you are the guide. And then for one hour every week after that for four weeks, I will sit down with you and help you develop things like headlines, uh, you know, the UX for your website, anything that you would need to help you communicate your brand to your customers. So go to chapterscreative.com and fill out the contact form or email me at chapterscreative at gmail.com. That is chapters, C-R-T-V at gmail.com. Without further ado, here is the interview with Jack Longman. So how, how's your day been so far? Been, been, been pretty busy? It's, being honest with you, it has been uh, pretty hectic. Um, I'm pretty sure Instagram had a, something happen today because a few of our, of our client accounts got banned or suspended. Wow. Um, so we spent about an hour on the phone to support at Meta trying to sort it out. And then I thought, hmm, WhatsApp went down the other week. So I checked Twitter and apparently it was happening across the world. Like a lot of people were tweeting like the same thing, like just got my account suspended for no reason and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a, <laughs> it's been trying to try and navigate that, I guess. So yeah, there was a, I'm, I'm surprised you got through um, to customer support. Cause I used to run like social accounts. I used to run ads on Facebook and in, in, in Instagram and whatever yeah. help I could try to get was non-existent. So right. it must be a miracle. You're able to talk to someone over there. Yeah. I mean, like this kind of stuff, I mean, Facebook meta, whatever you want to call it, I call it Facebook just for the purpose of this, but the support is is just incredible. Bad. It's just the worst. And um, quite early on in my career, like one of my clients suffered an account ban. I remember, like, I just didn't sleep for a week because I was worrying so much about it. And uh, I've basically bookmarked the link to the support chat um, on my computer. And the way around it is that I'll be like, "Oh, contact Facebook. What's the problem? I have a problem with my ad account, even if it isn't." And then it'll be like. 
what do you want to talk about? And I'll just be like, yes, 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 just to break the bot <laughs> and then just to get just to get an, a human to call me, basically. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that's my method for, for getting it to work. But, um, that's, that's like what I do on the phone. I just hit zero, zero, zero all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to God they have like an automatic like <laughs> kicker but, to like get to someone that I can – I can talk to. I remember. So usually once you get through to a human, like they're, you know, pretty helpful. But I remember there was one time where I went through all the rigmarole of doing all of that. And they're like, okay, what do you need? What you need to do is send a load of screenshots, send a passport and business documents and everything to the support team. And then they'll get back to you and tell you what to do. It was quite a unique problem. What was happening with the client account once before. Um, like there was a duplicate account and it was, yeah, it was quite complicated, but, and then I remember we waited for a few days and then we finally got a response back from Facebook and it was just the most like bot message ever. Like it was, it was so just that there was no like personality. They hadn't listened to the problem at all. Hadn't even looked at it by the looks of things. And then at the end of the message, it said, Merry Christmas. And this was in like (laughs) April. (laughs) So I was just like, brilliant. (laughs) And and they wonder why their stock is tumbling, but that's neither here nor there. So um, the reason why I have you on today is, uh, you know, of course, if you spend any time on LinkedIn, there are people that are completely full of it. And there are some people that are amazing. And then the people I try to look out for is just, hey, if they've got any, if they're saying anything of, of value or whatever, but I'm also looking for a shared life experiences because I feel like context is really important. Maybe not shared too, but I think it's really cool to, because um, people, a lot, some people who are listening to this might know my history as far as being in the band or whatever. Yeah. But I think you had posted something about being in the band. And I don't know how um, the algorithm or who liked what or whatever, but you popped up on my feed. I'm like, okay, this guy probably gets it. You know, I <laughs> Like the the tour stories alone is enough to to you know become friends with someone. <laughs> and so yeah. yeah, we just I, I um I, I comment on your stuff every once in a while, and then I reached out. I was like, hey, like I remember you're in, you were in a band, right? Like yeah, like I want to I want to talk about it because I feel like there is a lot of value that not a lot of people, especially like in the mainstream culture, and especially in the professional world. Um, they just don't understand the kind of value that we have or, or experience and, and, and value we have procured over the years of, of, of being a musician because I feel like there's a, a pretty – there's a stereotype of, of a musician, especially one yeah. that has toured and stuff, and probably well-earned. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you and I, we're, we're professionals now one way or another, and I think – the most interesting stories come from people who come from like a, a subculture and who, who have quote unquote made it <laughs> in one way or another. So I just thought I'd bring you on. And if the, um, if the amazing uh, British accent does give, give it away, we are in completely different countries right now. So the internet has brought us together to have this great conversation. So Jack, uh, thank you for spending your afternoon with me while I'm sipping down coffee in the morning. No worries. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, yeah, so sorry I was late. They, um, I don't know why we still do the, uh, the daylight saving change of the time thing, but it's terrible. (laughs) I think if there's one thing that can unite the, the, the globe, (laughs) <laughs> under under a banner it's eliminating yeah. that <laughs> yeah, once like, for all hey i've got good ideas i mean everything's getting darker why don't we just lose an hour's sleep or <laughs> <laughs> no like, well, like the health benefit like there is no health benefit to do it too to, for doing it as well it's actually like pretty bad for us pretty mm-hmm. bad for our brain so i think there are dozens upon dozens of us uh to rally <laughs> yeah yeah and like i've got as you say i've got a young kid as well and it's i mean he's instead of waking up at five he's gonna wake up at four brilliant <laughs> yep. great are you a t- are you a coffee or a tea guy um so tea by default because i'm british but uh i got into coffee <laughs> i got into coffee on tour actually because we'd been like uh service stations and the coffee would be awful 
but I forced myself to drink it because I needed to stay up. And then after a while, I just got more and more into like good coffee. Um, and now I'm like pretty much a coffee snob, but I can only really have one a day or else I get the, the, yeah, the shakes. It affects you quite a bit. I'm already on number two, if that means anything. So I use, so between, um, you know, my, when I first would tour my first band, I, you know, I, I would pick up like odd jobs here and there, but then in other bands, I, I ended up getting a, a job at Starbucks. And so I'd go on tour, come back, go on tour, come back. And so I ended up getting all this, like, you know, people have their opinions about Starbucks coffee, but that's where, that's where I started, you know? And then yeah, yeah. Sudden, like, I can essentially drink anything at this point, but um, I do have a, I do have opinions, but I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> I just drink black coffee. Uh, it's Americano, whatever you want to call it. Like yeah, black coffee. Yeah. Fine. Brilliant. Yep. Get get it straight. To I think because I had like that en- entrance into coffee from like the awful side of things, I'm just like, give me some black water that's going to wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, please. <laughs> so it's it's interesting you're bringing up, you know, brought up tour, especially like I, I mean I've never been on tour over overseas, but the long drives and and all that. And so I guess my, my first question, um, for you, just like, how, what's the origin story? Like, how did, how did you get started into like with, with music? Like what, what made you fall in love with it? Um, so I, uh, I have thought about this before and I think my introduction to music is through skateboarding. So, uh, started skateboarding when I was about 13, around 2003. Uh, watched Flip Sorry, which Flip is the big board company. Um, and I, fi- I find anyway that skateboarders usually have the most diverse like music tastes. And I think that's down to skate videos, right? So yeah. on a skate video, you'll have like a, a group of skateboarders and they each choose a different song for their part. Um, and I remember Flip Sorry just having the most amazing soundtrack. Like it had like Iggy Pop, Nancy Sinatra, uh, The Faction, uh, David Bowie, like so many different bands and everything. And I just thought, oh, this music's amazing. And I researched all of it and listened to all the albums. And my mom was like, oh my God, he's listening to David Bowie. There's hope for him yet. And, kind of thing. So, <laughs> and I, I guess like there are other things that happen, but I, that's like where I would put it as like that's like the the moment that i knew that i liked music a bit more than this sounds nice if you know what i mean and that's pretty like a, a, a that's that's a pretty diverse selection of music too for a skate video because yeah. my, i don't know how old you are but in my first i was never much of a skateboarder by friends who skated and then hung out with them and watched skate videos as well mm. and it was either punk or hip hop, and that was that was it. And even then, like having yeah. hip hop for a skate video, at least back back then, was pretty, you know, groundbreaking as well. Yeah. Then you have stuff like the video game, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, which just blew up, and yeah, that yeah. was pretty. That was that was pretty diverse too. If you take a look at that soundtrack as as well, so it's amazing how, how much that definitely. World. Yeah, and I think that kind of led me into the style of music that my band played, like playing all them games and getting really obsessed with all them bands that were a bit more, I, I guess you would say, relevant to the time. But mm-hmm. the whole idea of like the diversity in terms of like the types of music, it will come from that skate video, from from honest with myself. Like my mum and dad, they listened to great music, but like I was just kind of the age where anything they said was like, shut up mom <laughs> like, just didn't want to hear it until i started listening to stuff like al green and and my dad was big into like british punk which i thought was okay like you know but um and johnny rotten the singer of sex pistols who's now selling butter um he was like the the host if you want to call it that for that video so um so he was like oh that's that's Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols and yeah, do you see what I mean? It just kind of started this whole oh music's cool thing for me. Yeah. How old were you? I'd say I was 13, 14 when I started skateboarding, I think. Um don't think I yeah, it was about that age. That's like the prime age as well, as far as like getting into music. I was a little bit younger when I got in I got into music, but um yeah, like 13, 14, especially when you want to 
set yourself apart from your family and your, your, your parents' tastes or whatever else, for whatever reason, of course, like you might want to piss off your parents or whatever else <laughs> you choose to listen to, whatever. But um, yeah, that, that's an amazing, it's an amazing age. And so you, you got into that music and when did you decide to get serious as far as like picking up an instrument and maybe having the idea of getting serious, you know, you know becoming a musician? Uh, okay, so like from there, like my friends and I would go out and make skate videos and then it'd be really cool because it's like, oh, I want to have that song as my part and everything like that. And then yeah. towards, I'd say, the end of what Americans would, we call it secondary school, but it's high school in America, like um, started going to parties and growing up a bit and uh, you kind of get into social groups. And obviously I was into like punk and heavy music and rock and all of that stuff. So kind of identified with that whole kind of crowd. We started going to gigs and festivals and that's kind of where I was like, you know, I really like music and, I started playing, I actually played bass first, but I got bored of it. <laughs> so, um, but then like, because I had like a basic, I could play bass. Um, when I started learning guitar, my guitar teacher was like, look, there's two things we could do here. You could learn all the grades and do all the scales and all that stuff. Or you, I mean, you can play, I can just teach you songs you want to learn. And I chose the latter, which I kind of regret because I don't know, like I always thought, I know how to write songs and I'm a really good rhythm player, but like I can't really perform at that end of the fretboard at all. And that's because of that decision that I made when I was like 14. But, but yeah, I'd say like ages like 15, 16 is when I was like, I I really want to start a band. And that's when a few of us started mucking around in the drummer's bedroom and yeah, just kind of all went from the age 16 really. And so you, so you, you did all that and you, you started in, you know, in your, your friend's basement and, and all that. But when, when was it the time that you had your first like quote unquote serious band or was yeah. that first band yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. one that ended up becoming serious? Sort of. So there was, it, we started that band in his, in like literally his parents' house, like in his bedroom, literally like a five piece like metalcore punk hardcore band in in the bedroom um and we kind of we did like three years together we made a lot of mistakes did a lot of crap and then then we decided okay um let's do this again but let's you know let's change the name let's get some merch let's let's really take this seriously because i think we kind of spent those three years just kind of learning and looking at what other bands did and then kind of just like we're not doing this right we've got a silly name and you know the image isn't right and so we just kind of said let's just stop and spend two months writing a record and getting everything in order and then release it june with some shows and we just kind of took off that point in 2009 like we just didn't ever look back like it that was kind of so it was sort of the same band, but there was a slight member change and a complete brand change. And then we went forward as the, as the, the new band, which was called giants. Did it surprise you the amount of work it takes to actually be a serious band? Or or was that something that you kind of inherently knew at least for yourself? Um, (laughs) That's a good question, actually. So it, didn't but i think that's because it never felt like work like i'm kind of an obsessive person about things that i enjoy if you know what i mean so i just kind of was just like, oh then we've got to do this and we've got to do this and yeah i just never felt like a chore or it never felt like work but of course i understand that all the work we were doing and everything that was going on but and i think what the other point where it started to feel taxing that was where I knew it had kind of run its course and like towards the end. And that's why we stopped. Yeah. So what kind of band jobs did you have? Because I don't think there's, there's something I don't think uh, many people who aren't of this world understand that (laughs) uh, 
there's either like one person each band has a job or there's like a couple people who do nothing and then everyone else picks up the slack but there are certain things yeah (laughs) but the majority of the band i'm just kidding but like um but it could be very possible um that one person is doing all the managerial stuff or whatever like and so for yourself what quote unquote band jobs did you have (laughs) what was your responsibilities everything <laughs> no i mean well yes i mean it was i mean i, I wrote the songs I, I booked the practices booked the recording sessions packed and posted the merch booked the shows with my friend we i ran the social media i built the website designed everything like and then like the other band members helped along the way but i I always think of it as like now I've learned about like the marketing industry and stuff like that. It's like a creative director, kind of like everything went through me, if you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, I mean, I always say every band has like a band dad or a band mum, and I was definitely yeah. the, I was definitely the band dad. And mm-hmm. towards the end of it, like that was like my nickname, like who's got the van keys? Our oh, dad has. Like it was like a joke in the WhatsApp group. So, <laughs> um, but you know, as we got more serious, like. The bassist handled the finances. Our singer picked and packed the merch, um, posted the merch, sorry. Uh, we got a PR agent, um, a booking agent, got signed. And then so, like the jobs that I didn't enjoy as much got delegated in that way. And I guess that's where you can say I understood and learned the value of delegation. Yeah, because that's a lot to take on all on, your, on your own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, and, and it's amazing to have that sort of help as well and again i don't think people realize being young in in a band and doing things completely on your own like how much skill that sort of develops did you did you even realize at the time that you could transfer these sorts of skills into something later on in life at all like at the time did did you have that sort of recognition I definitely didn't realize it at the time. Um, And I've said to a couple of people recently, like I used to sit in the back of the van and worry about my future and well, what if this band goes nowhere? Because it wasn't exactly like pop music making the charts, right? So we knew that everything was finite and we were just doing it for the love of it. Like, um, But as soon as I started kind of freelancing and consulting in this world, it was kind of... A, it was something that I felt kind of come quite natural naturally to me. Um, and, like, I was an assistant to uh, a producer for a few years in London, and one of my jobs was, like, handling his social media. And, I, like, I was like, oh, I remember how to do all of this and, and stuff like that. Like, I'm just going to apply the same practices that we did for our band to this. And then it was then that I realised that most business owners misunderstand the whole point of social media, which is to be social, you know, you've got to build a community. Um, One of our old managers said to me once that, you know, like it's all about building your own little walled garden, which you're inviting people in and it has its own rules and its own language and blah, blah, blah. It's it's exactly the same with like a business or a brand. Like you're you're just building a community around the thing that you do or the thing that you offer, everything like that. So that was kind of where I realised hey, wait a minute, like this is all of this stuff I learned back then is is transferable. And when you're doing that that work with the producer, were you still in the band at the time or was that after you gone? <clears throat> no, so um, we, we kind of packed it in towards the end of 2017, um, which is when I was, because I, I always worked in a, in a music studio whilst we were in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, Music well, music studio, and then a record label, like mixture of the two. Be, just because there were jobs that understood that I could be like, I'm going on tour, bye now, bye, and then like <laughs> they'd be cool with it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then uh, I, <laughs> it's really funny. I, I entered a competition uh, to win a scholarship with with Dr. Martins, which is a shoe brand, to sure, study yeah. music production because obviously I was working in a recording studio, but I hadn't had any formal training. I just had like the kind of creative side of it. This sounds good. Um, and then I entered that like two in the morning one night, completely forgot about it. And then like two weeks later, I just had this thing in my inbox. It was like, you've won. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, 
I was like, okay, I'll guess I'll do that. And that's where I was introduced to that producer that I assisted. Um, and then, uh, like, the result of that course is basically myself saying to myself uh, that I want to be, like, a freelance music producer and, and mix an engineer. And uh, that that guy had become, like, a mentor to me, and he was he was kind of like, don't finish the course and just sit in your room and hope. Like, you've got to go out and, and hunt it. You've got to go out and you know, seek opportunity and, and get the work yourself. And you do that by getting in the room. So even if you're making tea, even if you're just sitting there, just listening, just get in the room with the bands, understand the conversations that bands have in the room with the producer and understand what the dynamics of that room are. And that, that advice really, really did help me in, in that whole kind of world. Did you, um, as as far as being in the band, I you know I have to assume that you did. You went into the studio to to record songs, but was it interesting for you to be on the other side of the coin, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. So I I like I I've said before, like I've kind of experienced that industry from a couple of a couple of different sides of the desk. So obviously, I've been in a band. Um, I managed that band. Uh, I've recorded and produced records for bands and I've also worked at labels. I've worked in the distribution side of labels and the kind of um, like a label assistant. So it's understanding all of that and the, the mechanisms behind like what makes the music industry work and stuff like that is important. But then also understanding that really like marketing is a massive part of, of music and, you know, it's, it's, it's really on. On social media, like bands, is is completely changed from like what what music was in the seventies. Like yeah. where the if you think about it, the ethos was just write good music and people have flocked to you, which just isn't the case now. You've got to promote yourself. Um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, in when you're doing you know social media for your band or, or this producer. Were you just like winging it at the time, or were you studying up in in gaining knowledge that way um, during that time? There were some things that I studied up, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it as winging it, but um, yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, fuck it. I was. I, it was like just something that I kind of knew. It was kind of entrenched in me, as and like you know like the do's and don'ts of how to talk to people and what content to post and thinking of ideas of like what we could do and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, winging it. <laughs> but, it's, but it's amazing like how natural certain tasks or industries come to, come to people. <laughs> yeah. You know? I saw, um, yeah. sorry, go on. No, no, no. Like I, was, I was just going to say like, I've been copywriting more or less for, 10 years but i see people on linkedin who are copywriters who can give a breakdown of like here's the 10 things you need to do and for me i've just been doing it like i don't i could not break it down for you whatsoever (laughs) um it's only until lately like i've been you know actually studying and being like oh yeah that's what i've been doing okay whatever yeah yeah it's it's but like it's having get, gaining that knowledge throughout just by experience and then picking up things along the way that you're curious about or yeah or, definitely or need help with you know and uh, google has been my friend for multiple <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah and it's, it's a strange one because I, I think about that like quite often like copywriting is a huge part of my life in the company that i run obviously like whether it's like my team members helping me out with it or whether it's me writing it for my stuff or my client stuff like and you know those kind of breakdown posts like um here's 10 tips on what you should do or what you shouldn't do you know I, some of them are really great and then some of them i just look at it and i'm like you've just run that through an ai copywriter and asked for a listicle do you know what i mean like or, or something like that do you know what i mean and i find that the, the post if i go through my saved items on linkedin there's not really many of of those in there but there's loads of like what i feel like were off the cuff posts from people that have just been hugely valuable to me so yeah i think i i try not to get too hooked up on it and like you say yeah just do it like not meaning to promote nike but it's literally yeah, yeah um just just rolling with whatever you you kind of know in your heart feels right 
yeah the 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 gut feeling like i've i've learned that i've i've learned to lean into the gut feeling a little bit more these days and it's and it's helped me far more than i i probably realize and i probably should have done a lot earlier yeah but let's let's uh let's move to starting your own company so you the band stuff was over you're you're working with the producer what gave you the idea to start your own social media company well i mean in the beginning i didn't want to start a social media company um and i mean you said they're like working with the producer that was kind of like my first foray of like doing social media as a freelancer. Um, and obviously I ran the social media accounts for the recording studio I worked for, for the record label that I worked for, um, the record store. Um, so after a while, like friends' businesses, I kind of started talking to some friends who had businesses, like, oh, have you tried this? Like, what about that? Um, did, you know, did a couple of freebies, like portfolio pieces, um, most of which turned into work which, you know, um, it, it worked. <laughs> um, and then when the pandemic kind of reared its ugly head, um, all of my kind of booked recording music projects kind of just bit the dust. Um, and apart from like, I'd say a runway of like three months worth of mixing work, like all of my music work just, just got binned straight away. Like, and, or like all of that income just went. And I actually got a few more inquiries about social media consulting and, and social media management and advertising and stuff like that. So that was kind of an indicator to me, like sitting on my kitchen table, like being like, what am I going to do? Um, I can't just live off of the, <laughs> the government grants and stuff like that. I wanted to, and I, I'm the type of person where if I'm not, if my mind isn't applied to something, I, it does no good for me mentally. I go crazy. Um, whereas I know a lot of people in the, in the lockdown um, just loved it because they had nothing to do. Do you know what I mean? Whereas that is not good for me mentally. So I was like, I'll start a business and I'll just do this and I'll retrain and I'll you know get a couple more kind of certifications and skill up and that's what I'll do. Um, so that's what I did and, and just, yeah, um, I still do uh, make records for bands, but it's not as frequent as I used to. And um I don't have to say yes to anything I don't want to say yes to. Whereas when I was relying on music production to pay bills, there was a fair bit of that and that was bumming me out. So um, yeah, I'm a lot happier and it's, um, it's, it's been the most incredible journey of my life so far, if I'm honest, apart from having my child and stuff like that. So um, yeah. yeah. it's. Did you find during lockdown because i guess we're still very much still in covid you know but as far as the lockdown aspect you're getting your certifications you're i I doubt you're going to see anyone in the office in their office or anything like that no what was it pretty surprising to keep getting clients during this time like what what the what did that look like um, (laughs) and what was like your your reaction to that so i mean i cut like just, just straight off, like I, I had a few clients. I had like yeah. two, three monthly clients. So that was a case of, oh, it's a limited company now. Like just transfer some things over and blah, blah, blah. And then other than that, it was just, yeah, networking on, on social um, and booking Zoom calls and picking up the phone really and, and asking friends like, do you, do you run a business? Do you know anyone else who has a business? And as I say, just learning <laughs> fading forward in that arena and, and getting to grips with like being a salesman in that way. And yeah. And, and um going out there and getting it, I guess um, that was kind of how I used the time apart from skilling up. And yeah, I mean, as I say, I actually, a lot of people struggled through lockdown, but that, that lockdown was like a big kind of reset for me. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll never kind of forget that time. It was, it was, the strangest time ever like i was saying to my friend the other day like do you remember when it was illegal to sit on a bench <laughs> like it's just <laughs> crazy period of life right but um yeah but yeah no it's good yeah in talking about sales because you were saying you were booking shows when you're when with your band and essentially yeah. You're pro- we, we probably didn't realize it at the time but we were salespeople. yeah yeah so did you feel like you were going into your same bag of 
tricks, so to speak? Like, <laughs> you realize that's what you were doing? Kind of. Um, I always say like the, the thing that touring teaches t- taught me the most is people skills and always be humble and always be ready to learn. So just being around different cultures and even simple language barrier stuff, like the, the ability to think to yourself, I know nothing, I'm just going to listen. That's such a huge thing in talking to people in sales. So I just kind of, and look, I'm not going to lie as well. I had a best friend who's like a salesman and he, he was like giving me books and we were really like staying in touch quite a lot. And he helped me like loads and I'm not going to hide from that fact. And he's the same guy that used to book the shows for us with me. Um, and, but we didn't do any of them tactics. We used to email promoters, um, with no shows booked, but we used to be like, look, there's one last date going, you know, all the dates are booked. And we used to actually write like Scotland venue, TBC, like Manchester yeah. venue. And we, to, to get the promoter to agree to do the date that we wanted to, in order to get the routing that we wanted. But, um, <laughs> so that's one of the, that, that come from my friend, James, who, who did all that. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's that kind of salesman, but, um, yeah, I didn't yeah. do any of that, but yeah, it's just, as I say, being humble and, and just being like, I'm, I don't know this person's business. I'm not going to try and install some cookie cutter strategy. I'm just going to listen to their problem and try and work out how to solve it for them. Um, and just ask as many questions as I can and really get to know the business owner. Um, so, and yeah, that, that, that all come from being in a band and meeting different people from different places, in my opinion. And when you were getting on the phone and emailing people, what was your success rate to at least getting a, a Zoom call? <laughs> like one out of how many? Uh, <laughs> um, I can't remember to be honest with you, but I, I do remember like all the times I got told to fuck off and, um, <laughs> But like the the thing is, it, it I love that because every uh, my friend told me like every no is an opportunity to learn or to to get past the no, if you know what I mean. But and then, like that sounds a bit like like um, faux play, but it's like it is right because if you if you just learn from every call that you do and learn from every conversation that you have and learn a way of like okay, what did I do wrong and how can I get past it next time. And that's kind of the mindset that I had, but I can't remember the actual conversion rate of my first gold calls, but I know that there are a few times where I got hung up on and told to F off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's even a couple of calls I've had recently where in hindsight, like, okay, I made a mistake there as far as mm-hmm. not so much like maybe it's not even like during the conversation. It's like the, the leading up to the conversation and even afterwards It's like some of that stuff is so important. That stuff that, yeah wasn't wasn't ever taught to me you know mm. it's not like i didn't i mean I, I hung out with the skaters the punks the weirdos like we weren't talking about this stuff like in in nah. school or whatever like we none of us wanted to be successful or had plans to be successful so even all these years later there's still stuff i'm i'm learning from these conversations and even yeah, definitely even in my experience like with you know, booking shows and, and stuff like that. Cause this is my first year being on my own and yeah. I'm having to flex those muscles again or, or work out those muscles. again. <laughs> it's, so, um, yeah. I, I think you're right as well. Like what you said about like, you know, we were never interested in being successful or anything like that, but it was all we wanted to do was skate. All we wanted to do was book a tour so we could go out and play our music. And it was like, I think there was, there was a point like earlier on, I was more concerned about, oh, this call needs to work because I, I need the client, need the money. And I know it's like a chicken and egg kind of thing, but the, the less you kind of think that way, the more successful you end up being because A, the no's don't really phase you and you just move on. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that whole kind of mindset switch of like, how can I learn from what just happened? And, going forward to the next opportunity really and going out. And if there's no opportunities there, going out and creating it. So yeah, I'm not like a (laughs) sign up to my sales course, but um, yeah, but it's, it's like, it is important. And I think it's relating to what you said in a big way. Like I wasn't taught this stuff when I was, when I was younger, like at all. Um, I learned all of this stuff pretty much in the last four years. So 
and it's important. Yeah. Did you end up going to, um, I mean, I should have, I should have lurked your LinkedIn profile a little bit more, but did you, did you end up going to school after the band stuff or you did that? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of did it during. So I I went to college and studied, uh, media studies, which it kind of taught me the basics of video editing, Mm -hmm. um, like some television kind of theory, advertising theory kind of thing, um, and photography. Uh, and straight out of college, I wanted to be a photographer. I got a job in a photography studio and just hated it. And it was like cheesy <laughs> smiles and editing out people's spots and stuff like that. So that yeah. just didn't interest me at all. But what it gave me is, you know, as I say, I kind of understood how to edit video and understood how to edit photographs to make them look, you know, commercially viable and look good. And um, so yeah it did it did kind of help and uh, one of my clients actually was in my class in that in that um in that college uh, class so oh, nice. yeah but he doesn't do anything to do with like media or creativity He's, he runs a uh, like an events business but they're a client of mine so we always we always kind of throw back to those years and it's like remember that course that we did that was absolutely pointless but now i'm your client <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I'm an I'm an English major in you know I do like brand strategy and messaging now so there's like a little bit that I draw upon as far mm. as being able to like catch nuances and in, in you know <clears throat> I'm not saying that college has taught me empathy but it's taught me how to put language towards that but like I, I don't feel like anything I learned necessarily in college has has really helped me what I what I do now yeah so yeah i I don't know what i learned more from like Mm -hmm. as far as like either the band or college like i i can't put a number behind it because one should be a lot larger than the other and you would think that'd be college but i i can't say for for instance yeah i mean it's great that you got both the experiences as well because i didn't really i just realized college is different over here, it's called university here, right? And college is university for you guys. So it was more of like just a straight after school kind of two-year course thing. It wasn't like a big deal. But it did give me those skills that I use every day in my life. But, um, yeah, I kind of didn't get the kind of moving away from home to go study that whole kind of experience because I got straight in the van and, <laughs> and, went, and went on tour for like eight years or whatever. But, it's um, yeah, I, I definitely – I mean, that's the only experience I have, but that – it taught me more than I ever learned from any classroom, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but again, I, I can't speak from both sides. I think it's wrong sometimes when you see the big entrepreneur influencers, like college is a waste of time because for some industries it really isn't. Like, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, yeah. you've, you've got to go to college or uni. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There, there's probably some crossover where, it's, you know, you don't need the 90 grand debt or whatever. Yeah, good luck being a doctor without college. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where did you um, learn to, uh, on the operating table, where did you learn to do this? I was in a tour van once, and uh, <laughs> this doesn't really fly. Yeah. I don't know about you, but you know, up until you know this year, I always mentioned my time being in the music industry, more or less, in resumes or in interviews. I At least for me, like, it's more, I know people say like be authentic or whatever, but like for me, I was, I've, I've always been able to tie it back into whether it's an actual business thing or just the kind of intangibles that being on the road gives you mm. like to be able to gut certain things out or, or, or whatever. So I, I don't know. I always, I still talk about that time as being massively informative in, as far as what I can actually bring to the, yeah, to yeah. the table. And if people got it, they got it. And if they didn't, they didn't. And then part of me felt like that was kind of uh, the litmus test on my end. It's like, okay, can you see the value of my life experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so, know if you've ever done that or not. So it's, it's, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this recently. So when I, when I started the business, I felt like I, I was kind of carrying that as in like, I shouldn't talk about that because they might not think I'm professional. And it was like yeah. a big thing that used to weigh on my mind. Um, and then what happens is you, you're kind of, you're not being completely authentic. And in some way or another, like you're not, 
you know, you're not lying or whatever, but you're not telling the whole truth about yourself. And what can happen as a result of that is that you start to work with clients that are not totally aligned to you as a person. Um, and I didn't want that. And so after a while, I, I just kind of thought, oh, sod it. I, you know, it's a big part of who I am. And ever since I started doing that, I, you know, you start to connect with people in a bit more of a deeper way um, because, you know, it, it sets you apart. And, you know, in my opinion, it sets me apart from someone else who's, oh, I've started at the bottom in an agency and I've worked in marketing for millions of years. Like, I didn't do that. And I know that in some ways that's a disadvantage, but that whole life experience that I had, I, I, I try as much as I can to use that as an, as an advantage. Um, and, yeah, like definitely being on tour, like what you're saying about using your gut to kind of work people out and, and stuff like that. Like the people, the bands that we tour with where they kind of had to put on a facade as like, oh, this is my stage voice or this is I'm not going to talk to that person because I'm, you know, I'm higher than them. My band never, ever, ever got on with those types of guys. And so I just, yeah. like, being like that in any way, sod that. Like, yeah. It's the ability to, to suss out not inauthentic people. I don't want to use the word authentic too much because I feel like people, mm. at least in our world, the, the whole professional world, that's kind of like um, Bit of a password. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word <laughs> that's easy to fall back on, you know? But I think in our world, that we judge certain bands as whether or not if they were, you know, it's so easy to tell if they weren't. <laughs> I think I don't know. I think I think that gives us an advantage of just like avoiding bullcrap. Yeah, as far as like clients or people you want to you want to work with. I mean, I think of course being judgmental in a way is is bad in a certain sense, but and also being judgmental another way of being able to make the right decisions on who to align yourself with or to work with. I think that's also very important. Yeah. I mean, your gut is always going to tell you when something doesn't feel right. Right. And so if you're talking to someone and they, you ask them what they do and they're like, um, blah, 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 and they, they just chat a lot of crap. <laughs> doesn't make yeah. sense. And there's using loads of big words and stuff like that. Your gut is going to be like, I've, he or she doesn't know what they're talking about or something's not right here. Do you know what I mean? I'm a big believer in listening to that. <laughs> I had a job interview pretty recently. Um, one of the biggest companies in, in my state. And I had a couple of interviews already. I was kind of like in the last round, so to speak. And the person, I was talking to the person who was going to be my, my manager. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, do you have any questions? about the role. I didn't ask about the role. I asked about her. Mm. I'm like, Hey, what do you do? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be around you a lot. Like we're going to be working together. You know, what, what are you, what are you like? And the kind of answers that she gave me were, I didn't feel like I was talking to a real person. Mm. And I just knew like, I'm like, this is not going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm old enough at this point. Like, I mean, I'm sure she's like a great person, but as far as like the the whole gut aspect of, all right, I'm about to sacrifice something I really enjoy, and your answers aren't helping me, you know. And I didn't, I didn't make it because I'm sure that question. She was like, I, I'm sure, like she's very rigid, right? Mm. I'm pretty sure that question disqualified me because it really should have been the job. But I know that there's other opportunities where I've talked to people about what they do and it's been totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that, like that, that, um, I don't know, that detector, so to speak of like what rings true, you know, yeah. we keep talking about the gut, but like, I think that's something that we've learned pretty yeah, I mean, that's just like what everyone says for it. But like going back to what you said about like, you know, judging people, like you think it's a bad thing. And like even what I said about like, you can always tell. Yeah. It's the it's the same the other way around. Like as in like everyone else is always judging what, what you're kind of doing and saying. And, but at the same time, they, when someone, the opposite, the opposite card to that is that when someone is speaking naturally about something that they know and love, you know, it, because yeah. It, it, there's no like kind of barrier to it 
I can't believe that that's the sentence I said where I stuttered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it could, I thought <laughs> it was great. I think that, I think I think that's perfect. I think like having the the wherewithal and the in the self knowledge, the self awareness to understand that you are being judged as well, but being fine with it mm. is what makes the nose totally fine. Yeah. I mean, I just posted about this on LinkedIn the other day. Like I, you know, I went to a get up kid show and I met someone who's, you know, he's, he's not a friend, but he's an acquaintance through, you know, other people and like, Hey, we're looking for a copywriter. And I went and I went for it just cause like, Hey, why the, why not? You know, it was a pretty, you know, pretty cool company, I guess. And, and yet at the end of the day, I was in the top two and I wasn't picked, but I know that as far as like the feedback I got, like it wasn't so much of my skill or anything like that, you know, just other factors that I have no control over either, you know? Yeah. And, and it's not an indictment on me as a, as a person at all. You know, of course it sucks to not get picked, but like that, no, that self-awareness to know that like this didn't work out for a B or C and has nothing to do with me. I can move on with yeah. No problem. And that must be the same with like, and it is the same with not getting clients or for whatever reason, like you have a phone call, you think it's great. You put that in the sales funnel, mm. so to speak, or in, um, it doesn't happen for whatever reason. And it's okay. Yeah. Working, working out the reasons is, is, is half the battle in my opinion. Like we've got a client, I asked them about the sales process and he said that there's one thing that he kind of says to his team it is, if it's in their industry, competing on price is quite common, right? It's quite a big, like there's loads of players in it. So he was like, I know that they've done everything right when it is truly a, a question of price as to why they didn't get the deal. So if you do, if they do everything in, required in their sales process and it comes down to price, then he's not going to like kind of penalize the sales team because he knows that that's, that's like a common thing. But knowing everything else you have to do, everything else you have to ask is such a big thing in in like you know becoming like an entrepreneur or a salesman or learning how to solve solve people's problems basically mm. and so i got i got a couple more questions and i'll i'll, I'll leave your halloween night to you <laughs> but um and then we've we've touched on this in a, in a few ways so to speak but just a hyper focus on this particular question what sort of values of, of the scene that you were able to bring into your work and, and f truly find success with? Um, I'd say supporting each other, right? So I'm a firm believer that a rising tide raises all the boats. Um, and in, in bands, if you're a part of a certain kind of genre, there's loads of other bands out there. There's usually like a healthy... <laughs> healthy amount of animosity for no reason but yeah. I think yeah like once you kind of get past that and just support each other like bands like uh, I don't know in in like the hardcore scene that uh, like be like you know bands like Angel Dust and Turnstile and like all of those type of bands they stick together and they're all like friends and they all bring each other up and like that's something that we kind of once we kind of got some friends in other bands that, you know, you all rise together. Cause then when it comes to, Oh, who should we do this tour with? They, they're more likely to pick people that they know, like trust as mates. And it's the same in business. And there's the other thing of, you know, business is hard. It's not, it's not an easy yeah. thing to do. So when any of my friends start businesses, I'm always super supportive, always really, like help them out as much as possible with, you know, navigating things on social, always promote what they're putting out. Um, so that's that's a value that I think has transferred from being in a band. And that's a value, that's, that's something that I wish m many more people had. It's not like the kind of ultra competitive, like 1990s, you know, dog eat dog thing all the time. You know, you, yeah. everyone can be friends, even if you're in the same spaces. I wish I would have known that a lot earlier because <clears throat> I started my touring days right after high school, like a month afterwards. And I'm a very competitive person by, by nature. Yeah. And of course, like you meet great people and you make friends and stuff like that, but sometimes there'll be a band or there would be a band and I would size them up for whatever reason. It was stupid, 
but I, like I would, I would almost feel like threatened by their presence of like, <laughs> how dare you like yeah. <laughs> you a, uh, come, come to my turf, you know, but then much later on you, you realize that a, like it's a terrible waste of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Be, like, especially now, like, you know, from the internet, you know, has made just blew everything wide open as far as attention can go, you know, like everyone can eat. Like there's no, there's no shortage of, of people you can possibly connect with. So mm. it's so much easier just to be a fan of people and in, in what they're, and what they're doing. Um, yeah. I mean, there's multiple people who do the exact same thing, not exact same thing that I do, but um, close enough to, in a, t- a 10 mile radius of where I am. Am I going to try and beat them now? No, mm. completely different people, completely different backgrounds and what we, and getting to know people and what they do, like kind of can give you an insight. It's like, well, they've got their thing going on and it's okay. And I can, I still can support them. So. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, I sometimes help bands that I record or produce and I'm always saying to them like about the value of their brand and like, it's not like a buzzword. It needs to be considered and you know sticking to what's right for your kind of brand as a band if you know what i mean so playing the right sort of shows and and doing you know even down to like artwork on posters and stuff like that and i used to get really frustrated when we were young like we used to we used to like ask bands oh can we play this show with you or can we can we support you on tour and the answer would always either be no or just no answer. And I used to be like, God, we're not good enough with it, blah, blah, blah. When really, you know, like we're either a different style of music or the tour had been booked six months in advance. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just yeah. just thinking that it, not everyone's all out to get you and everyone can coexist in the same kind of space. And in fact, the world's a better place when you'll help everyone and you'll help each other, if you know. Amen to that. So uh, my last question. And so for people who are in, you know, DOI, counterculture, you know, different music scenes, um, they're trying to find their way through their careers or, or, or they're thinking about starting a business. What what would you say to them as far as advice is concerned? Okay. So I'm always, I always feel a bit uncomfortable giving out blanket advice in this sort of way because everyone's different but if i just think about the things that help me the most i mean that's relatively easy to do so don't put on a false version of yourself just be yourself because people buy from people and not people that are pretending to be other people um realizing that the five people you spend the most time with have the most influence on you and your life and who you will become that was a big one um learning how to sell not persuade, not convince, learning how to confidently sell someone a solution to their problem. That's one of the best things you can you can put time and effort into learning. Um, understanding that if I don't value my time, no one else will. Uh, and <laughs> this is something a client said to me recently, but it has really stuck with me. If you're a creative person and you're trying to run a business, the bridge between the two is process because creative people are, I just want to sit in my bedroom till four in the morning, designing websites and doing this and fine tuning this. Um, whereas like businesses require processes and systems and, you know, creativity and systems are, are kind of, they have this weird relationship. So understanding what systems and processes are going to allow you to run the business properly is a really, really big thing. Um, and uh, I guess the biggest one, not being scared of the idea or opposed to the idea of charging to make a profit. Um, I feel like there's parts of counterculture that like they're against it and it's like this kind of taboo thing. When And it's because of like, you know, if I think about the bands that I loved when I was growing up, like Rise Against and stuff like that, singing about big corporations making profits, they're singing about BP. They're not singing about yeah. your small your small <laughs> business that needs a profit to survive. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, so yeah, that I'm sorry for the listicle, but yeah, that's that's it's, no. I think it's I think it's great because I was thinking the other day um, about when I joined my band. Like I had quit the band 
that I was in, you know, the high school band in order to be quote unquote successful. And I remember, you know, people questioning it or, you know, saying like, ah, sell out or whatever. And in feeling, and I was feeling kind of self-conscious about that, but like almost feels like, because I grew up listening to Fugazi and stuff. And yeah. Ian, Ian Mackay is, you know, as far as uh, integrity and beliefs and stuff like that, like staying underground, of course, like, of course I listened to all that. And I, of course I, I, we all brought that, you know, we, we all consumed that and, and started to believe it, but it takes a long time to get out of that because like you're saying about, you know, being okay with success basically and supporting yourself for what you do as, as far as people in our scene, I think people are just like scared of money or like what people, other people will think about them. And that's not very supportive, like whatsoever. No, I think <laughs> like, it's- that's not, that's not what a friend should, should do in the first place. But also at the same time, like if you're able to wake up in the morning and do the thing that you love to do and the way you want to do it, like that's exactly enough and you can still, make money it's fine and the difference is as well as if that if you're going to do that for a living you need to you know you need to make the money to pay yourself to be able to do that um and you know, i struggle with this daily you know i i had like a i had like um a bad bit of advice early on it was just like oh you know you're in music you're never going to make any money and that kind of stuck with me and it's like my default action for like new business would be like, well, I'll give you a discount. Like, yeah. but, it's, it's, and then, but then there's the other side of things of like, I sometimes feel like people who are new to business are susceptible to, you know, you can change your life and you can, you know, the people that kind of sell success in that kind of mm-hmm. way. And I'm not really a part of like, I, I have a certain opinion about that, but you know, some of what they teach, the reason it's it works is because, you know, some of what they're saying is, is true. Like, you are kind of in charge of it. And it, we're, the society that we all live in, you know, you, your business has to make a profit in order to kind of run. It can't just, living hand to mouth, the pandemic has just proved that doing things that way is not sustainable. Because if something happens like that, again, um, if you haven't got reserves or if you haven't got like a plan, then you're going to fall on your ass. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going down a tangent there, but that was, it was something that, as you say, like coming from that kind of punk scene, counter culture, that took a long time to get like out of my head or at least kind of understand it in a way that made sense to the upbringing that I had. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a military family where, you know, hard work was, you know, you would think that would be a part of my everyday life in, you know, and I think in in a certain sense it was, but it took me a lot later on to understand, you know, the value of it. And I, I do think, you know, taking in these messages, uh, and believing them about, what success could look like in a negative way. You know, I never wanted to be the white collar guy or drive around with a Land Rover or whatever, whatever else, you know, I never wanted to be that guy, but I think the sooner people in the punk scene or hardcore or whatever other DIY scene, if they understand that they can develop their skill and do something and truly benefit people, they can be successful in, in, in make, make money in a good way, like in, in support other people and, and yourself. That's yeah. Like, and I think there's nothing more DIY or cooler than that. I think. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you ask me, it, a lot of it comes down to financial education, which I did not have. Right. So I just, it, I didn't have that at all. I had to teach myself that and I'm still a novice in that area. I, I believe, but a big thing for me was, you know, I've got a IFA and he, 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 gave me this spreadsheet that is very much like here's the money that comes in here's the money that goes out down the bottom there's totals on each side so i stare i I look at that every day and i check it every day okay that's happening this month i'm aware of the finances that that helped me so much just understanding okay i'm not making enough this month or we're okay this month and do you know what i mean I never used to do that. I used to be like, oh, there's some money. I'll put some away for tax and pay myself some shrapnel from the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, but 
without the education, you're never like, yeah, I would have never have known to, to do that. So yeah, it's, it, as I say, it's, it comes down to other businesses and friends in business supporting each other. You know, if I, if ever I, I have a friend who's running their own business or going self-employed and they're struggling with finances, I'm like, first of all, dude, get an accountant. <laughs> but like yeah. the, the second thing is, it, you know, I try and help them with, with, you know, what, what, how it helped me. Um, obviously I'm not, a, I'm not a financial advisor, but I'll, I can link them up to mine or, you know, just, just that whole kind of supportive mindset is, is a good thing to do. Well, I think that's a pretty damn good way to end this conversation. Like I, I feel whenever I have these conversations, I definitely feel rejuvenated in, in, you know, in, it was like, yeah, I've gone down the right, the right path, you know, especially there's like-minded people like myself who've been through it and, you know, can relate. And, and that's what I hope to do. If, if, if folks listen to this and they either learn something new about the way we see the world or they, you know, are challenged to see the world in a different way, I think that's, that's a good thing. So oh, cool. Well, thanks yeah, so much Jack, for having me on, mate. Yeah, if 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 people want to find you, how can they find you and um, get to know what you do? Uh, yeah, so LinkedIn is kind of the platform I'm putting the most effort into at the minute, and just Jack Longman, um, that's my name. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I think it's Jack Longman, but the zero is the O in Longman because some bastard took the handle instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, like that. That's where you can find me moaning about things and, and giving out advice and just generally talking bollocks really. So yeah. <laughs> As we all do. Excellent. Well, it was good, good talking with you. It was, it was-